thank you for joining XRO, which is India's first ARVR podcast. And today I have Mr. Brent Davis. He's a PhD candidate and lecturer in computer science at Western University, who's currently the CEO at Nomad XR. Brent, it's a pleasure to have you on XRO podcast. I appreciate you taking time and being part of the show. So you are a lecturer and you're also the CEO of Nomad XR. So what do you want to talk us through your journey of artificial intelligence, machine learning, virtual reality, nomad exam. <laughs> uh, so I started off my my undergrad at Western. I've been been at Western a long time. My uh, birth city. I didn't didn't go very far. Uh, so I started off with actually an undergrad in the biochemistry of immunity and infection. Around my fourth year, there was a lot of interest in bioinformatics. Uh, so from there, I was like, okay, the the skills I need are more in computer science. Um, med school is not looking very likely. And I was also like, I'd rather do more research uh, at that point. So I stepped in and I actually, my first project was making a, um, an exome processing script. So the, if you think of genetics and your genes, uh, you have your whole genome, lots of data. Uh, when you're looking at it, sometimes you go down to a more functional parts. And from there, uh, with my fantastic supervisors, I started to go more into data science. Uh, turns out in bioinformatics, by the time that you know the skills necessary to do that kind of analysis, you're pretty good at most data science tasks. Uh, so with their help, I really I started, went to grad school, uh, started in a master's in computer science, ended up being transferred over to the PhD program uh, early. I guess I made a good impression. Uh, we actually did some work with Ottawa Public Health, seeing how we could use social media and analytics to kind of inform their informatics. Because uh, one of the things that we see with social media is just how much information is out there we can use to try and help people. If anyone from CIFAR is listening in, thank you very much for the opportunities and support. It's been nothing but amazing. Dr. Alana Fish has been leading that project with my supervisor, Dan Lazote, and uh, uh, Dr. Rumi Chinar at NYU. Corresponding with that, uh, I used to be you know, a teaching assistant like many graduate students are. Um, from went there, found the passion for teaching. And that's where I've gone on to teach uh, my courses. So I've taught a, a grad course, which is about bringing com- computational skills into the business environment. You know, I need people that are going to be skilled at XR algorithms and all these things. I want to make sure we've got uh, the best and brightest coming up into into the workforce because I'm really excited what we're going to get up to. We in in the cusp of understanding the source code of life. Uh, the entire genome coding, we kind of like tinkering around with it, you know. Uh, and, and there is so much out there, you know. First, there was uh, in vitro fertilization. Then there are there are there are people who walk, talking about in vitro gametogenesis, which is so very cool. I, I, I'm sure it's going to come in, in maybe like much later in a couple of decades. But it, it's where you take uh, the DNA of a person and then you, you create uh, from the DNA you can create a, a pluripotent stem cell and from there you can either create an egg or a sperm cell so what that what that does is that you don't need a partner anymore you can take a, take a person's hair and then you can create an egg and sperm and there you go you can actually create your baby so, so it's, it's I think we're getting into exciting space and uh, data, I think, is going to play a big role. AI is going to play a big role. We are offloading more and more of our work onto machines. 
and that is it the, the, you you can look at it in two ways a obviously it is i mean creating transformations in a businesses because there's so much data which can be passed and you know into extremely useful data but the downside of that is that we are slowly going into a world of automation and or data or decisions human decisions are being offloaded onto machines what are your views on something like that you know when eventually because people because of covid suddenly everybody has got to know that you know the importance of emerging technologies and stuff like that and social distancing will create more automation we will offload more and more work of our human work onto uh, machines where does that lead us um so you you hit on some really fantastic points there and i as a some with a big academic background i always have to stress too where one of the reasons we need so much data is these these systems like our genes everything is so complex we need everything we can to make sure we're not doing something unexpected like all right. of those techniques are yeah, so yeah. fascinating but that's why we need the data too um but yeah i i really think we are looking we're into the age or on the cusp of the age of personalized medicine uh, never before have we been able to look at someone's like own genetic information and other things so closely and try and figure out what actually works for them uh, we've been in an age where we we work off correlations and patterns we can get out from population data and we just haven't had the tools i mean all the all the doctors out there are trained to do the best they can uh, and it's part of the scientific community's job is to find them the new tools and say hey this this actually works better here's the evidence and for them to make that call that this is something they want to include in their practice so that's where i see us going is we're right on that age where we have so much information like we're in the information age that's yeah, that's right. our life but every, every one of us um so we're finally in the age where we have all that and now it's the job of okay let's get the scientific method out let's get the rigor out let's make sure this is actually going to help someone explosion in ai deep learning certainly helped move that uh, all of data science has come to prominence you have all of these doctors physicians everything else out there that are looking at that and says yeah no it's give me the better tool uh get the watson ai thing working if it's going to help me uh whatever you want get just, <laughs> just get it working and convince me it works well yeah i, I think we we'll be getting into that exciting space where it, it, it's super exciting but also equally scary and i guess for the first time we need to have a collective conversation and involve everyone on the future which is coming faster than imagination you know because there's so many things are happening there there was there was maybe if you just kind of like look back like two decades back when internet was not so big everything was in a linear space and it used to take quite some time to kind of like you know to build an innovation today india there is like people in the most remote places they're building some really really cool things and it's not just india i think it's around the world i think internet has uh, democratized education and created that opportunity for anyone and everyone with a desire and intent to you know go beyond uh, of what you know the traditional world confines us to you know so i think that is what excites me and that's the reason i do this podcast so 
you are also part of Nomad XR. So you didn't tell us, uh, tell our audience, you know, how Nomad XR happened and what is Nomad XR? What is the vision behind Nomad XR? When was it uh, incepted? We really saw the future in enterprise. Okay, what's the enterprise space? Uh, we saw a lot of training apps, uh, a lot of collaboration apps. And we stopped and went, okay, the barrier to this coming in is that most of the computers out there do not have a graphics card that can handle it. Uh, when we're talking to other enthusiasts, people in space, you've probably got the latest graphics card. I mean, if you've been able to get one of them, so I know they're selling out left, right, and center. Uh, we, we went and that's not going to be in an office. We're not going to get your average office space to be like, okay, let's buy a $1,200 graphics card and then get the headset on top of it. So we built our design and our planning around this idea that whatever we need to do needs to supplement um, what can't be a new computer, what needs to work with what's out there. And that's where we started building out um, what I call our after office app. And that is what that is, is that's a connection between a fairly generic standard computer that doesn't have a lot of hardware, but it lets you take it into VR space. Um, looking around at everything now, like everyone's work has been disrupted. We're all, if you are still in an office, you're one of the rarity ones because it's we've mostly been sent home. Um, depending on where you are, at least here in Canada, definitely most people are working from home right now. And like all of a sudden you've got this blur between your, your work life and your life life, especially if the kids are home from school because of restrictions. Uh, suddenly you've got a very shared space. We said, okay, uh, VR is very cool. Um, there's a lot we can do with it. Let's see if we can make a virtual environment that is immersive, focus enhancing, and it helps your wellness. Uh, sometimes you may just need to put something over your head, go to the beach, pull up your work and your emails and start working away uh, somewhere that you don't have to see the latest art project your kids got up to. And that's what we've been doing ever since. We've been building out that uh, the after office application and seeing what else we can do to really make it something that's uh, intuitive, easy, and obvious to use as something that enhances your work day to day. Right. So, so when you say that this after office app that you're building, it enhances your, your, your enhances your focus and wellness. So it, it's not an app, the Verbilla or EXP reality is building, you know, where they, they are actually building a digital workspace where, because the entire workspace has been disrupted. Uh, Microsoft just released uh, a paper a couple of days back saying that there's this new hybrid work style could come in play because I think they are the first uh, first company in the world which actually gave more than 40% of their staff a work from home option forever. Now that came uh, as a surprise because Google, Facebook and many other tech companies gave uh, a work from home option only till July or, or no, August 2021. But Microsoft went really bold and now they've released data. There's, there's a lot of pros and cons, but it definitely seems that the future of work is going to be hybrid, where even physical workspaces are looking at redesigning their workspaces. The future of workspace obviously looks exciting. We don't really know where it's going. There is a lot of assumptions because I think maybe this 21, 22 could be just understanding the pattern and then maybe the rest of the world will follow because I think that's the way it always works. You know, I mean, there's a leader or a 
a big company says that this is what works and and most of the time they're always right because they're supported with data and i guess the rest of the world follows where do you think the future of work is going a b can you talk a little bit more about uh, your app when you say focus enhancing wellness you, you can you talk a little bit more about that also Explain I think you're definitely right with the future of work because I, I think they looked at the data. Uh, I've seen some reports myself, which is not, not great from the employee end, is that when you work from home, you are more satisfied with the arrangements, but you actually end up working more. But you know what, that, that works for the organization. I guess yeah. that's the reason they've taken the decision. So it was not, uh, you know, a decision based on the comfort of the, uh, the their employee that they don't need to, they cut on the travel time, they cut on the stress, but more that it's the data. The data suggests that they, they're clocking in more hours, they're going, getting more productive, but the employees obviously are getting frustrated that they are they're talking more. So there has to be some kind of a uh, you know common ground where it helps the the employees as well as the organization. So yeah, please, uh, extremely sorry for interrupting. No, all all good. You're right on it. Is that we're at the stage too where uh, the employees are clearly clearly willing to put the time and the extra effort in, and if they're happy with their job and satisfied, then they're not even really going to notice. I think in a lot of cases. Um, especially like, a, I mean, I come from academia. If you're not working all the time, you're one of the, the odd ones. Uh, we're all kind of here pursuing our passions. So uh, certainly the hours here can be very long, um, but it's all self-inflicted. <laughs> you do it because you want to do it. I know people that have like a three-hour commute every morning to the office. So even just taking that out, three hours each way, yeah, of course they'll put it in <laughs> two hours. Uh, <laughs> that, that seems like a fair trade-off. Uh, so that's where I see the office, the after office app coming in is it helps provide that separation because uh, at some point, you, we all know it's no matter how hard you work, you eventually need a break, you need to take something off. So I, I see the benefit for making sure that we all are long term productive and helping create some separation. And that's what I think the after office app in some ways can help. And it's the other part with the wellness too is uh, especially when we're stuck inside and can't go anywhere. Uh, you can't even go down to the coffee shop down the street necessarily. It might not be letting people in or you pick it up from the door. So we we may need something to spice up kind of the, the variety around there. And that's one of the things we're working on is right now we only have a couple environments ready to go, but we're planning on adding more places that you can situate yourself to kind of find, this is where I want to work today. Do I want to work on the golf course? Do I want to work on the beach? Do I want to work uh, in an underwater aquarium? Uh, do I want to be on an island? Um, whatever works for you. Like that's, I think that's where we're coming into. And it's, I see a lot of benefit for businesses as well. Um, normally there's some kind of budget for decorating your office and all these other things. Um, the nice part about VR stuff is that it's not physical and doesn't have that material cost associated with it. So you can get a very fancy looking office without having to put in the budget for it. And if that's making it easier to work and you're, more focused and you've got that separation that's i just really see this as something we all benefit from right right so are you guys bootstrapped what's the team strength and do talk to me about the ecosystem when it comes to uh, immersive tech in ontario and how's, how's, because i'm the, the, i'm very excited to build connections and, and create a uh, 
a global community because i guess that's the only way we can accelerate the growth of this of this technology uh, so right now we're entirely self-funded we're in that stage where we're looking around for other people to that if we they find us interesting and want to work with us uh, we're definitely open and, and talking to people about that so yeah anyone listening to this if we sound fascinating uh, definitely get, get in touch i can't thank eddie enough for this opportunity and as for for the ecosystem here it's in a lot of ways i see it very very budding um we have some kind of hubs here for vr and ar uh toronto vancouver montreal those are kind of the the innovation hubs those are the big cities here um i have actually i've heard a lot about calgary too i sh i'd be wrong not to mention calgary um so those those are kind of the central innovation hubs and i'm seeing lots of work on um, all kinds of very fancy immersive vr experiences um, I know there's been some really cool VR arcade stuff out of Ubisoft. Ubisoft. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on, I think, with haptics and wearables. But I think, especially in this day and age, the research is distributed. Um, it's kind of spread out everywhere. You'll have these hubs for these people at a university, but they're actually collaborating with other universities. So what you were, I think, what you were saying is starting to happen, especially with remote work. If we really do have this uh, this global tie-in. Um, where we're starting to have all these labs connecting to each other across across the place. We we want to build the scene up here. We want to get more people interested, um, especially with the way things are going remote. Um, and like you said, Microsoft, 40% working from home. They don't need a giant office anymore. It doesn't need to be in a big city. If those people like the small city environment, they're going to, and I kind of see that continuing. I think we're going to see a lot more people get interested in places like London, Ontario, because uh, it's smaller, uh, doesn't if you don't like the big city environment if you do fantastic um, but I think a lot of people like smaller cities exactly this pandemic somehow has come a as a full awakening to the human race and 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 obviously it has disrupted the entire world in a huge way but there has been so many positives if you sit with them, you'll understand that I think for the first time in human race, we we finally understand that we are sailing in one boat. That's it. It's Earth, and 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 we are all connected in ways we can't imagine at this point in time, or or we are cognitively not capable to understand the connection. The reason I'm having this conversation with you is because. Maybe I meant to have this conversation with you and maybe reach out to more people and enable everyone because I see that where the world is going it is where everybody needs to be connected. Everybody, like there has to be a global community, you know, where we enable everyone, even, even the ones who are economically deprived because that's the only way we can create a better future for a world uh, and, and, and a collective future because I, I'm getting a little philosophical, but I think if the entire population are in good spirit, the, the, there will be great acceleration in technology. The world will be in a much, much be uh, better place, right? So, uh, would you like to talk about your competitors? You know, who do you think are, are the competitors or your inspiration? Uh, the first thing I want to follow up on what you're saying in philosophical is I think you're definitely right. One of the things I think we're going to see this decade 
is I think all of our governments are going to realize the individual citizen needs more computational power than necessarily what is good to just leave to the market. Um, I know here we have all these 5G plans and rollouts. We have all of these networks going in. Uh, you've got things like Starlink, where now we have internet yeah. from the sky. Um, I think that's the way it's going to go, is eventually people are going to clue in, and uh, we'll have to convince our, our politicians, is we need these resources available for the, the average person so that they have access to this computational cloud, and we can find a way to make it democratic and fair. And then, yeah, the people, like you said, that don't have access to, if they can't walk out and buy a $1,000 computer to even run fairly modern stuff, uh, if we make that a public service so that it's out and streaming, I, I think that's the way forward, uh, especially as we keep training all these people to code and we keep telling them it's so important, uh, they need to be able to use it. <laughs> so we can teach them all we want. If they uh, if all they can get is a, a very fancy calculator, there's only so much they can do. The two that come to mind, and these, I have to really applaud these two that come to mind right away because they I think they open the door for this. Uh, the first two that really gave us some sense this was going on and the potential is uh, virtual desktop and big screen. Uh, they both give you that environment where you can connect a computer to your, your headset uh, and start working in it. Um, like I said earlier, the big barrier we saw is that unless you're an enthusiast or you like to play video games and have the computer to support it, um, connecting the two is not necessarily easy. So that's, that's kind of, those are out there, and I certainly am always happy to use them myself. These days I need to be testing our own, but, you know, before that, <laughs> I was happy to be using those. And they, they really opened the door to it. I know Virtual Desktop, too, has been doing all kinds of things to work towards getting wireless streaming and all these other connections. Um, so those are kind of the competitors I see out there. And uh, they, they really, I think, led the way for this becoming more of a thing to compete with and <laughs> keep us motivated is uh, Immersed has recently been coming out and they're one that's doing something similar with the Quest. And I think they had that video that's been getting some attention where they've got phones now and uh, plans for iPads coming in too. And that's, that is the way I, I see this whole paradigm going is more connected devices, uh, more screens in there if you want them in there. Uh, I certainly, I had some people kind of come over to me and be like, I think if you give them phones where we can't call this a productivity app anymore, <laughs> but we'll see, we'll see. Everyone's just different and works differently. Right. I certainly use my phone to send lots of emails and things. I'd be much happier to do it in the AR glasses, say five years down the road. But yeah, those are, those are kind of the people I see out in the space. Um, speaking from experience, the, the problem of using a connection between that's computers and getting these displays to be responsive and everything is uh, not an easy task. So anyone, any would be people that are sounding really inspired and whatnot, uh, there's there's my word to the wise is uh, it, it takes you a while to get going. Start now. You know, there is uh, 5G, IoT, artificial intelligence. These technologies are now playing, I mean, they're converging with virtual reality and I think will play a huge role in enabling uh, extended reality, you have been a PhD candidate and lecturer in computer science. So how, according to you, uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning is going to enable virtual reality? So one of the, the huge opportunities offered by 5G is that so-called edge computing. Um, so if you get into the guts of AI and machine learning, 
Training these models can take a long time and a lot of computational resources. Most recent language model that kind of got recent prominence, uh, GPT-3. Um, and it's a corresponding use in AI Dungeon 2 and all those other things. And all everyone's seen some of the text videos by now of how it can make some cool stories. Uh, training that is not feasible on the edge, but running inference or using tasks with it suddenly became possible. Because some of these people have gone out and made these huge language models gotten them at a, at a state where they're interesting. Um, I have to put a little bit of academic smugness on and be like, well, they're not that good, but they're certainly better than they ever have been. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's where I see it. Suddenly we have all of these pre-trained models and we can use them for more discrete tasks on the edge using these 5G networks. And that has some benefits too, is that it keeps it off the device. Because um, even though like they're always getting better, um, the XR2 chipset for these headsets, amazing. I'm looking for someone to put the Snapdragon 888 in the headset to see how much it pushes it. And that's going to continue, right? Just like phones, these are going to get stronger, smaller, <laughs> more connected to this, these 5G networks. Uh, so that's, that's what I'm really seeing is that uh, these devices are almost going to become receivers for this huge invisible computational network we've got around us. Uh, it almost seems like magic. I'm sure if you went back to 20 years and you're like, we're going to beam in some AI model into your, the headset on your head while you wander around your house. They'd be like, I think you're crazy. <laughs> uh, so that's, yeah, like that's, that's the future I see is we suddenly have this edge computing. We can do all these other tasks. It's one of the ones that's very fascinating to me is, uh, so in machine learning, you've got the three, three breakdowns or four supervised learning unsupervised learning. Uh, semi-supervised learning, which sometimes you can have an argument about whether that's just supervised learning. That's why I said three. And uh, reinforcement learning. Um, and reinforcement learning in particular, I think, has a lot of use for XR because it can be very personal. Uh, you can get lots of data if you set the model and the training up right to get your own data and personalize it to you. Um, so one thing I always mention, and then everyone kind of suddenly remembers and we train up, is uh, our posture these days. We're all on computers. We're all on. I'm actually at a sit-stand desk right now to try and uh, try and get some more standing into my day. Um, with all of these headsets in VR, by necessity, have gyroscopes. They know the angle. They know where you're looking. Um, with reinforcement learning, one of the projects I'm excited in, or maybe this will. Someone probably already had this idea, so I'm hoping it comes out soon because I want to use it. <laughs> is uh, we're going to have all these systems to help adjust your posture so that while you're in VR, AR, et cetera, uh, you have some sense of like, how am I standing? How is my, uh, my posture doing? And that I think is actually gonna be one of the passive ways these technologies can uh, help us in our health. I am hooked onto my computer the entire day you know, because I constantly work and I have a, a, a serious back problem. And then yes, I need to find a way where I can, where my desk can be uh, sitting, standing, or maybe I need to like help myself. And then you said like, reinforcement learning to adjust posture or help you with posture. How cool is that? You know, the, these are small things, but could create such huge transformation. Technology is that tool which is now being able to help you. And maybe in the next few decades, when it actually matures, will play a huge role in the evolution of mankind. Your bio reads that you believe XR is the next step in enhancing human cognition. Could you talk a little bit uh, about that? 
So when I talk about enhancing human cognition, we have to kind of go back a second. So say we have a task, we want to do something like long division. If all you have on you is yourself and nothing else, say that you're uh, someone's like, can you do long division in your head and you have to prove it? You can often do it, but it takes you a long time. And it's very cognitively demanding. All of our attention has to go on to what are the numbers? What's the remainder? How do I carry that over? It's a very hard task. The first way that we offload that is we get a pen and paper and we write it out. Suddenly we have offloaded some of that cognitive task. We have these numbers, uh, we have it written down, we can do the part work. We don't need all of it in our head simultaneously. And then we take the next step and we have the calculator. So now, now we're not even writing down the steps. We put it in, we get our answer. The answer is the same. The task has been completed, but the in-between is very different. So what I see with XR, is even right now we're talking at a 2d screen in front of us that has you know depth in it we can kind of see and get some sense of the world and that's where we offload a lot of our thinking is we have spreadsheets they hold the numbers we have pre-made macros so that we can reuse them and that's also offloading our thinking with xr we're not going to have a 2d space anymore we're going to have an entire room you can put an entire room around you you can design the tools you need to hold this information keep it in a way that makes sense to you, have all these things at hand. And that is that is one of the views of cognition, I think, that's really been emerging. It isn't always intuitive. Uh, it's very tempting to be like, oh, I'm so smart because I can do all these things in my head. Uh, I've come around to be like, oh, I'm so smart because I know all of my connections, my network, and my methods and tools, and I can do that thing two times faster, even than you could have done it in your head on your own. So that's where I see it really opening human cognition is we have all of this environment around us. We can add new tools into, we can use this to offload different parts of our thinking that are cognitively demanding. And especially with AI, and we always need to be careful with this, uh, we can offload some of the processing and pattern recognition to those systems and really automate a lot of those processes. Um, like if the kind of dream scenario, I think in, uh, AR, VR, et cetera, and this, this is a long time coming for anyone listening, I don't think this is a near one, is eventually we're gonna have systems that kind of figure out some of our own patterns. If you want them to, you might not want the AI to figure them out for you and say, okay, I know you're about to do this. Let me move these screens around, let me move this. I know you're about to do this task again. And every time you do this, you configure your work environment like this. Let me just do it. Uh, so Siri, Alexa, whoever, they're all working towards being more helpful. Um, so that's, that's what I mean by enhancing human cognition. I don't think it's going to literally go into our brains. We're not going to have gene therapy or any, that's, uh, that's someone else. Uh, I'll see where that goes. I know we've got Neuralink and stuff coming too, but that's what I mean is we have all of these cognitive structures we can use and take advantage of. And it's not literally upgrading our, like the RAM in our brain, but it's like we're having more RAM around us that we can use freely. Uh, to actually offload this thinking onto. And that's where I'm really excited. I, I think XR is truly unique and that we've never had a way to kind of customize the world around us to adapt to the tasks we want to do. And we're, we're such a skilled economy these days. Like all the, the really great jobs or the fantastic ones, they are very skilled, very information heavy, and they involve lots of complex cognitive tasks. Um, Unfortunately, these days, even if you are Paul Bunyan and you can cut down an entire forest in like a couple hours, uh, you're still not going to be doing as much as someone that's mastered all these finance algorithms, right? There is so 
many things which is happening you mentioned about finance algorithms you know these things are just we just scratching the surface you know and when it actually matures it's like i said earlier it's it's scary as well as exciting you know so so brand it was a pleasure to talk to you and get your insights now there are there are a lot of people who don't really know about augmented reality virtual reality mixed reality artificial intelligence or, or you know or, or what these technology could do in the next 5 or 10 years so to those audience who are listening at this one time how would you convince them to leverage adopt and adapt technology emerging technology be it ar vr mr or artificial intelligence right now to build a preferred future people thought the internet was going to be a fad people thought cell phones were going to be a fad <laughs> people think xr is going to be a fad it's like if so and you can do some basic pattern recognition there i think i truly think that's the way things are going uh we've seen too much potential we've opened up too much too many possibilities and even the industry itself is kind of pushing towards this a bit um i i mean i always hope there's more but we're kind of hitting the point with phones where it's like all right the camera's getting better every iteration the processor's getting better every iteration we haven't seen any huge huge change ups like remember when the first smartphones came up and like oh that's gonna really that's gonna i can't that's not gonna stay people aren't gonna use a phone to do that they're gonna go to their laptop right like it's we've seen this before um so it's i think like time will tell and uh if it's something that's that sounded convincing or you're on the same page that's that's the way we're going um the industry has been exploding uh facebook has 20% of its workforce working on this there's your financial and economics argument why would facebook have that many people if they thought it was going to be a fad and they were the ones that made the social network happen first they saw that they got in there and now look they're everyone knows who facebook is they're a household name and they're throwing their weight in too and saying hey this is you comprised it in very small brief uh, sentence but i think you you really hit the bullseye you know i mean you know we, there are naysayers and has always been naysayers and we as a human race are averse to change but my my you know when whenever i talk to people i tell them that we are some mind blowing changes which we we are going to see in this decade itself all of these technologies a they are converging and this is the time to start at least understanding these technologies because the world is getting digital from physical we are moving to a digital world we we used to carry technology you know we used to carry your mobile phone we used to carry your laptops we going to a world we going to be wearing technology we getting into world which will be wearables some are going to be invasive some are going to be non invasive we could have debates and arguments about the moral ethically uh, about the this thing implications of it but that world is coming and that world is coming very fast and we are going to be enhanced we are going from homo sapiens to homo deus where we going to have god like powers and as as maybe like 
very boring that what I said might might sound, but this is the fact, and I, I want everybody to kind of understand this and leverage the tool that we have of technology and build a better world. Uh, and yes, we need to build a community, and that's the reason I do this podcast. Brent, really appreciate talking to you, and uh, wish you the very best with Nomad XR. And to my listeners, if you like what you see in here. Please press the subscribe button and until next time, see you guys. Bye bye. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate this.